0: Welcome back to the Brooklyn of a the March the Thousand Sixteen. Featuring poet Joe Pan leading the workshop and kicking off the open mic, I am your host and MC Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yawp is held on the second Monday of every month at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. That's at 61 Bergen Street, off Smith Street, near the FG Stop. For more information about the Brooklyn Poets Yawp, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's Open Mic lineup featured the formidable Richard Loeb, Eitan Netchin, Adela Sinclair, Candy Wolf, Arthur Russell, Chris Roberts, Dell Lemon, Emily Blair, Lauren Paris, Joshua Elguera, Richard Fine, Connor Crawford, Judy Schneier, Jenna Martinez-Lynch, Ricardo Hernandez, Yawker of the Year, Julie Hart, Rachel Corso, Caroline DeLuca, Julia Knobloch, and Matt Proctor. And since it's a sunny spring day, let's get right to it. The Brooklyn Poets, The
1: Opera.
0: Welcome back. It's good to see you. I thought you would all leave at the break, so I'm glad some of you, some of you stayed. Holy shit. This is I think we've maxed out the chairs, Mr. Hernandez. The Yawper of the Year 2014 is without a chair. That's what happens when you lose your position. You know, we just cast we you out. You don't get a chair anymore. I don't want chair anymore. Welcome to the Brooklyn Poets Yaw Open Mic. I'm your host, Jason Koo. You probably know that. Uh, if you haven't been here before, you get three minutes on the mic. Do not go over tonight. There will be mob action, clearly, <laughs> clearly, You will not get out of here alive. Please contain yourself to three minutes. If you want to read less than three minutes, that is certainly welcome. All the people, there's over 50 people signed up. So obviously, oh yeah, 20 people can read. So if you're, <laughs> you, can stay in uh, So uh, what was I saying? <laughs> Uh, the people on the wait list will be grateful if you go under three minutes, so uh, just remember that. Uh, first... That's a text message. Uh, our first reader of the night is the man who just taught this workshop, Joe Pan. Uh, I'm going to plug his workshop one more time. You can see we really want people in this workshop, because uh, apparently no one's writing books right now, or you're all afraid, Is that what? It, or you're broke. Let's not talk about that. Let's assume you all have money. Uh, I understand if you don't have money, but uh, if you do have money, it's not really that, you know. Go look at the other prices for the workshops. That's all I'm saying. We are the best price for what you get. Let's at, move it along, and, Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Just because you don't take any workshops, Mr. Wilson. when someone wins an award in this room, I can't trust them anymore. <laughs> That's the last goddamn award you win. <laughs>
2: I knew that already.
0: <laughs> okay, fine, Arthur. Please get up for Joe Pan.
3: All right. Thanks to all of you who uh, stayed after the workshop and to all of your faces. I say hello. There's a lot of them. I'm going to read from my newest book. It's called Hiccups. It's a lot of really short poems um, that I was writing in conjunction with some really spectacularly long poems, like 17 and 18 pages, and that book is still trying to sell. And the short poems sold, so that should give you some information Um, about what to do with your your poems. (laughs) But, um, no, these, uh, it's, it's in four sections, but I'm just going to read, and let me know, I have a five minute, four or five minute limit, let me know if I'm going crazy over time at all, like, approaching it, because I definitely want to hear all of your your uh, readings as well. Um, the first part of this is called Atlas, and it's just kind of, like,
4: rolling around the world,
3: and uh, so I'll read it as it comes, just find some good here will start in New York City and just kind of make its way across the world. New York City. Laptop on a park bench. Man watches a movie of people in a park. <laughs> Man caught in the subway doors. Sometimes changing your mind hurts. <laughs> Top of the skyscraper. Woman who's afraid of heights wears a skirt that isn't. <laughs> like old Polish women pass lean sausages between them. Long checkout line. (laughs) In the curl of her ear, a whisper I can't manage from across the platform. Auditioning elastic sex, the artist strips to a car alarm. The stage lights clap off. Boston, even luck has standards of her punk. (laughs) DC, green shoots on one side of a January branch. Half chose hope. Pecos River, Texas. I took a a trip with uh, with some friends. Uh, It was a six day journey down the Pecos River, right next to the border. And uh, I saw an image there that just blew me away and stuck with me the rest of my life, and here it is. My hand upon a man's hand, blown red with paint, dust, 10,000 years ago afterglifts. Constellations cut in black rock beneath my feet as we wobble through space. The South. Crawfish, a hundred perhaps, boiling in a pot, a lava of spooning hordes, will suck the juices from their heads and sex ourselves to sleep. The Midwest. Chipping away the storefront lettering, an apothecary becomes a pharmacy. Yellowstone. The earth garbles its thousand throats. This bear has indigestion.
1: <laughs>
3: Vegas. One drink, two drinks, three drinks, four.
1: <laughs>
3: MGM Grand. Which is the hotel there? This nice. is real. Lion in the hotel puts on a show of being a lion. <laughs> L.A. Bel-Air. Bel-Air. <laughs> that go? <laughs> Bel Air mansion, courtyard, you and me, hummingbird, and neither dressed appropriately. I had some friends that used to work for LucasArts to make video games. <clears throat> now they make uh, video games for Sony because Disney bought out Lucas. Yeah. LucasArts. They had this They had this little uh, fountain back there. LucasArts, Yoda sits atop the fountain. Atop, he is not being the fountain. the fountain he is not being Yoda I'll just mention this one Mount Rainier National Forest live a thousand years and they honor you with a bench made from yourself (laughs) (laughs) thank you all
0: Uh, if you like those poems, Joe has books for sale in the back. I'm sure you'd appreciate you giving him some of your cold hard cash.
2: Again with the cash. You're taking
0: all your money tonight, Russell. All of your money. Uh, where is Richard is here, yes? Where's Richard Lowe? Okay. Yeah, that's true. There are two. Yeah, both legends at this open mic. Give it up for Richard Loeb and the camouflage. Hey,
5: everybody. Just reading one poem. This is, uh, this is The Neighbor. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She moaned, coming through walls, apartment next door, my wife and I lying in bed, as if sex so intense it might make her see the good Lord, or at least come closer to Him or her. Strange she would be so passionately vocal when she had been reticent. They moved in, we said hello. She did not respond as if she was above us, though her apartment adjacent to ours.
1: <laughs>
5: as if, in so doing, she might open the door if not to their apartments. into their lives. Maybe she thought, as some New Yorkers seem, everyone potential ass murderers. <laughs> so better to talk to no one. Though I had numerous conversations with her boyfriend, she and I never spoke. I attempted to engage her no more. After that night, however, whenever she appeared, I was always tempted to whisper, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. As she silently passed. See if that might get response. I never did. Out of politeness, civility, whatever mechanism in our brains prevents us from saying stupid things that might disrupt social harmony. But I was always tempted. Oh Oh my god.
0: Thank you, Richard. Two announcements which I always forget to make. Uh, one, at every yaw open mic we vote for best poem of the night. It's based on audience vote. You ready for the number? <laughs> You text me to make your vote, you can just say the name of the poem. If you remember the poet's name, that works. Give me a metaphor if it's clear which poem you mean. The number is 718, that part is easy. (laughs) (laughs) 374-1953, does everyone have it? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know
0: my number, motherfucker. 718-374-1953. I should just, you know, this is, it's like all over the internet, my phone number anyway. <laughs> all my emails have my phone number. You already, if you got an email from me, you already have my number. So just text me the vote. Uh, if you win Best Poem of the Night, you get free admission to a future yacht, and more importantly, you get to compete for Best Poem of the Year in December. This is the award that Arthur won. You see what happens. <laughs> when, you it, when, you, when, you, when you win the award, you toss smack to me. That's, that's what it, it entitles you to do. Um, but it's a great event. 12 winners, obviously, face off for that. Also, we record the open mic for a podcast, which we call the Yawpcast, that's published usually two weeks after the event. So if you're not okay, if you're reading for the open mic and you don't want your voice on the recording, you should mm-hmm. tell me. Then I will take it off. If you don't tell me, we assume that you're okay with it. So uh, let that be known. Uh, and you can find that on our website. You go to Brookport SoundCloud page. You'll also see the previous open mics. And remember to speak into the mic. Some people are here, that doesn't work. You don't sound so good. So speak like right up where I am is the best. Okay, is <laughs> Melissa Santel here? Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Thank uh, you. Next up is Eton Netchen. Is that yeah. right? Eight times, that's Give it up for eight
6: So this is called what is partially furnished evening. There is Nina and me sitting silently on the chilly, smooth, laminated floor. The TV sitting on the floor as well, keeping us company by con by its constant being on. I thought that it would have a sofa, maybe a couple of dining chairs, but no only a bed, an oven, and an ironing rack. Who decides how partial an apartment should be furnished in order to be considered partially furnished? (laughs) I got the TV from my cousin. In fact, I have no cousin. It's just what I call a distant relative of mine. It's easier than going through my genealogy. (laughs) Nina and me and the TV and some Clementines sometimes get sick of talking about existentialism and art and philosophy and art Sometimes all you want to talk about is whether orange cake is better than carrot cake, or how you despise certain type of music by saying, that's not music. (laughs) Nina and me and a TV and Clementine's on Christmas Eve. I have no place to go on Christmas Eve. I never did. As for Nina, she's she's from Eastern Europe, Poland or Lithuania, or some other former Soviet black country. The TV interrupts us with some news from the Eastern Front. They say more snow will white out everything. It feels—it feels like a, like a siege, even though it's just Christmas Eve. Sing on the floor. Nina's reliving, sorry, reliving Soviet nightmares, and we sit silent. What could we talk about? She doesn't follow football or watch cooking shows. Nina and me and the TV and some Clementines on Christmas Eve with nothing to talk about in a besieged city surrounded by holiday cheer. And sheltered, sleeping on in their parents' living room. It's almost Christmas Day, and we're starving. This is Leningrad. Clementine has nothing to talk about. Nina leans forward, as if to say something, but only a small gas, gasp breaks out. In Songrad, they held their German backs for months. I wonder how long we can last. The TV interrupts us. Our songs again. They say Christmas will be white, and snow will last till New Year's. When she hears that. Nina gets up and walks slowly toward the kitchen. I follow her silently on all fours, mimicking her every move. Just before she enters the kitchen, she turns towards the wall and stands there looking looking at me, looking at her. I do whatever she does, so maybe we'll have something to talk about. (laughs) And we lick the walls to get our calcium fix.
7: Thank you,
0: Aton. Uh I was just licking my walls today too. <laughs> I didn't know other people did that. Next up is Adela Sinclair. Good enough for Adela.
8: dark wooden handle fully. When he cuts, he stands out of his chair at the kitchen table. I always sit across from him and can study his face each day, each meal. Work does not interfere with our eating together each time. It is a curse. It is what in America we strive for as a family to accomplish and cannot. This is the hand that rubs my belly. After he feeds me, he says, come to daddy, Adeluzza, sit in my lap, let me check, did you have enough? His sad blue eyes light up. My belly is concave at this time, and his hand is a shovel that taps on the ground of a freshly buried body. Daddy's cuts are deadly. In just a few minutes, the struggling animal is silent. Neck cut, the head flaps backwards, and the fountain of blood is gushing. I'm in our house, in the room I sleep in with Mom and Alex. The bed sheets are stark white, starched and crisp. My head rests on the pillow, but throughout the slaughter of the pig, I cover my head with the pillow. I press it hard against my ears, to no avail. The squeals make me shiver. I bounce my head against the bed with the sound of the old springs detract from the noise in the yard. I can see the pool of warm blood after the silence presides, after death takes place. When it is over, the covers come off. I step outside and smell the cauldron in the backyard, the stench of prey, the apron wet with splotches and blood. Who wants the ears, he yells. Seeing me approach reticently, he chops them off the head that is in his arms. Then he throws them in the boiling water We fight these days over the
0: years and who'd have the most of the crunchy pig skin. Sometimes we spit out the hair and say ew with our eyes. All smiles when our mouths are chewing and bellies get fed. Thank you, Della. It's the best uh, kind of poem, the meat eating (laughs) poem or uh, a (laughs) pork-eating. Uh, Dallas posted some of these poems on the bridge. If you don't know about the bridge, you should sign up for it the back. It's the network we built for poets like yourselves. <laughs> you share work, and every day we feature a poem so that you can become famous to all of your Facebook <laughs> friends. And some of their friends. Next up is the famous Candy Wolf. Give it up for Candy,
9: at the bay. I love being at the water. Its salty scent soothes me. When I listen to the tiny waves, I hear small sounds of echoes as they lightly crash against the rocks. To my right is a red-haired little girl, a toddler. Her face is filled with wonder as she watches a duck family swim by. And there's a portly man, around 80. He's wearing a fedora and talking to the ducks in Russian, while tossing the bread with a smile. There are no terrorists at the bay or gun-toting bigots viewing hatred, nor any media mongers polluting the airwaves with their political ambitions. No, it's serene, calm, and lovely here. This is where peace exists, in an often upside-down world. Where'd you go?
0: She <laughs> <laughs> had She has energy powers. Uh, wow. Okay. Next up, you can see he's, he's preparing for his next masterpiece. Give it up for Arthur Russell.
2: Hello, everybody. Hello. This is called Randolph Holder, After His Death. After he was shot in the face, police officer Randolph Holder fell to the ground and died. His fellow officers shot, pursued, and caught the man who killed him, Peanut, who had pitched the gun into the East River, where two men, fishing from the promenade, saw the splash and showed the spot. The cops who called the divers who arrived by boat and helicopter from Lower Manhattan and Floyd Bennett Field, where they wait on call to respond to emergencies in minutes. For five days and nights, in teams of two and four, they groped along the silty riverbed by inches in darkness feeling their way along a rope on the bottom with bubbles rising up to the surface to find the missing gun. Harlem River tides are so strong, divers can work only three 90-minute slack periods each day. Definitely, we want to get this firearm, said a 13-year member of the police scuba team. This was a firearm that killed a police officer. He nodded toward the divers waiting in the police boat. Six daily news reporters and two New York clients followed the search until at 3 a.m. on the Saturday after the shooting, Captain John Mortimer fished the gun from the river and called out, Hey, I got it here. Next day, police closed the FDR drive and scores of officers in white hazmat suits went step by step for 40 blocks along the closed highway, searching for the actual pebble of lead, the slug that had killed their comrade. Thousands of men and women in blue braved the dowsing cold outside the cathedral in Jamaica, Queens, to pay their respects. NYPD officers, as well as those from Suffolk, Nassau, and the departments across the country consoled one another. And there were bagpipers. Pallbearers in dress blues carried the coffin draped in the green, white, and blue flag of the department into the cathedral, where flowers replaced the flag floral arrangements rested on the altar and along the sides of the cavernous chapel one grouping shaped like angels wings had a sign that said blue lives matter the commissioner promoted holder posthumously to the rank of detective the mayor holders fiancé, his stepmother and his father spoke and hundreds of reporters and news trucks and cameramen under plastic tarps and umbrellas wrote and recorded and replayed every word and sentiment six cops flew with the body to Guyana and carried the coffin to a hearse at the airport and a Guyanese military band played the last post and family members stood on the tarmac the daily news was there the Guyana police force band played the star-spangled banner the New York Times sent a reporter to investigate the cemetery named Le Repentir in the large community of Georgetown, Guyana, where they would bury him, to talk to a childhood friend and the owner of the thrift shop where he bought chocolates as a boy, and reported how the Georgetown authorities, up to the moment when the coffin had arrived, had been cutting down clumps of vegetation, cleaning trenches, and opening a path to the tomb they had prepared to hold him. Meanwhile, in New York, the Daily News referred to the bail hearing for Peanut as redundant, when they really meant it was a mere formality in a city that needed to bolster its respect for the dead cop with hatred for the suspect and disdain for the system that had returned to the streets after prior arrests. They laid Randolph Holder in the ground. They left flowers and they left candles. They walked away from his grave, returning to their original premises secure in the belief that Detective Randolph Holder's life mattered.
0: Thank you, Arthur. Next up, we have a fan favorite. Some people think he's related to me. Give it up for Chris Roberts.
10: All right, this is part four of my
1: talking
10: Even people who like it yard at this point. All right, here we go. So I got in trouble, right? Okay, and here we go. The next day, a lot back downstairs, I saw Pop-Pop had a photograph proceeding black and white. Which one do you think is me? Are you a man? No, that's my father, William Roberts. Oh, who's that? That's Mary, but I called her mom. That's you, I pressed and left a fingerprint. That's Ivor. Who? My older brother. Are you wearing flowers in your hair? That's Margaret. He pointed to the infant in a gown. That's you? That's me. I laughed and laughed and laughed while Pop had been reading something else. Now why'd they have to make the print so small? Whose magnifying glass was not enough to read the article in front of him? William Roberts, sixty two of Kingston, survived by Mary Margaret, Ivor Tudor, had listed places, other names, more dates, and edited his life for space constraints. <coughs> the mining companies would leave the body in a black bag on the family's porch. My mother found my father just like that. Except they didn't bag him up, he said. and didn't look like Papa when he spoke. A long, slow sip of silence filled the room. There's little sounds inside the walls stuck out. The whistle of hot water, something on upstairs, a next-door neighbor speaking out some muffled phrase, chirping and a door shutting. The quiet asked if it could be a pause instead of having to become an end. After the kids were in bed, Papa upset. Mom and Dad always went outside to talk and look up at the moon. Dad had built Mom a swing which only fit the two of them. What happened to the swing your parents had? When Agnes came, we lost it in the flood. That makes no sense. Did Agnes pass away? No, Agnes was a storm. That's how they're named. But anyway, the point is, Chris, one night, Mom got so homesick that she said to Dad, "Is that the same moon hanging over Wales. I miss it there. Dad loved my mom so much, she moved the family back to Wales that month. But Pop-Pop, weren't you asleep in bed? How do you know what happened? Pop-Pop said, my room was situated right above. Now, bear in mind they hadn't had me yet. I'd hear them, late at night, broaching the past. So, one night, sitting on their porch in Wales, while looking on a bright moon, Mom asked Dad, Is this the same moon? Is this moon hanging in America? I miss it there. And Dad loved Mom so much, he brought the family back to Pennsylvania, but this time they arrived amid a strike. The family savings had been overdrawn from all the moving, forcing Dad to cross the picket line to put food on our table. Even a foreman, but they needed men to do the digging, not the managing. The strike was over not long after that. Because he crossed the picket line, my dad was not allowed to get his old job back. The union saw to that. Dad understood. He never cursed what he had had to do. But if he just held out a few more weeks, Pop-Up started saying. Then he changed his mind about continuing the thought. Your parents love you, boy, he looked at me, holding back tears and smiling.
11: stuff,
0: Chris. I can't wait for part five. That's the end. Remember to vote, uh, but nothing against Chris, don't waste your vote on him, because he's already won this year, so you don't need to worry about him. (laughs) You can still vote for him, but uh, you might vote for someone else if it's close in your heart. Uh, Also, the next reader, Del Lemon, just one last month. So don't waste your vote on her. Thank you. Um, thank
1: you.
11: <laughs> All right, this is, this is a companion piece. Uh, it's a little lighter than the one I that you so kindly <laughs> for oh. last year. Uh, it's called Walking Back. How I walked to the end of the world before deciding to walk back. How I arrived at a deserted train station in a boarded up beach town outside of Barcelona and a taxi picked me up and dropped me off at the only hotel open for business filled with a busload of retired Germans. I saw the way they looked at food that night and realized that they had gone without and realized that they had lived through World War II and I had not. I was a lone, lost, young American woman, but they accepted me at their table to share food anyway. One of them even gave me a Christmas gift. She said that she had a daughter back in Germany, and I remembered that I had a mother somewhere. And after spending a few days lying on the beach in a winter coat, splashing in cold water, and drinking coffee at sunset with a group of tourists who had lived through World War II, I decided to live too. If they could keep living after that, so could I after this. And 30 years later, I wrote down the story of that Christmas and then I made dinner and ate too much, as I generally do these days, and walked my dog at sunset. When I got back, rather than turn on my computer again, I picked up a pen to write down a poem on paper. I am in love with a young man. I am an old man in love with a beautiful woman. I am a young dog in love with his boy. I'm a young girl in love with freedom. I'm an overweight, middle-aged woman in love with a fantasy. Like the sunset, he makes everything shine in a seductive glow so that I want to live with a ravenous hunger that I never knew in my dark youth. Thank you.
0: See how you might be tempted to vote for her again, <laughs> which you could do. It is a free country. I mean, you could vote for Trump too. But... Oh, oh that was Not that I was equating you with Trump. <laughs> yeah, I realize that sounded worse. Than <laughs> anyway, this is all being recorded, so <laughs> I have nothing to hide. Give it up for our next poet, Emily Blair. Yeah!
9: dumb jokes
12: is you have to be there. This is your neighbor. I'm calling to tell you that your cat is on my fence. I don't have a cat.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't have a fence. (laughs) Um, They say never to explain a joke or a poem.
8: Let people draw their own conclusions. Let them unwrap the gum wrapper and find it empty. But
9: what I love about that
8: prank phone call you taught me so many years ago, when prank phone calls were still possible, is not just the sheer stupidity of it, but the suggestion of what do you do? You're non-cat, my non-fence. I stopped reading the alumni magazine, so I only found out about you when I got CC'd on a discussion of the campus tree selected for dedication. People were arguing over the wording of your plaque.
13: Forget what they decided, but here's what
0: I want you to know. Your goddamn cat is still on my deck. (laughs) Please (laughs) look at it. Thank you, Emily. (laughs) CCing people is amusing. I don't know why I think it is. Next up is. Lauren Paris, give it up for Lauren, named after her famous city. <laughs> this poem is called
8: Kiwanis. The garden
14: behind the parking lot at Lowe's, a skinny strip of grass, metal, gold,
8: and green, beneath a single black bench. Lumps from each coat of paint. Living in the garden, a settlement of fire ants, a family of slight gray rats too small for the sewer. Pigeons keep a close eye. A machine that moves garbage casts a shadow on slow water. A cot plastic bag moves in the wind,
0: I love, will you paint me in our garden? Was that a Lowe's love poem? (laughs) Just checking. (laughs) Okay, next up is Joshua Elguera. Give it up for Joshua.
15: conversation with my dad yesterday about airplanes and how he got shaved in a while. I remembered his beard prickled my cheek when he kissed me. That was the first time we spoke since he left the domestic routes. For six nights I entered the master's bedroom to find my mom asleep. Her glasses flickered, a mirror image of a muted infomercial. I laid them on her nightstand and pulled the covers to her collarbone and kissed her cheek. I noticed the green slide discarded by the curb from an old playground set, patches of yellowed grass where the wooden foundation stood. Then my first car left on the edge of the driveway, stripped of its plates, where I used to assemble model rockets with my brothers. A breeze blew through a window, lifting bills off the glass table, separating my dad and me. We heard the cicadas chitting on the lawn and their shed skin scraped across our dead-end streets like autumn leaves lost before they are raked. Father spoke, a plane crashed today, pilot error. I nodded, it's always pilot error. Thank you. (laughs) My name is Joshua Ungera.
0: I like that. He's making sure you know his name. So, if you want to vote now, just give you a moment. Joshua Boyer, That's E L G U E R A. It's my kind of poet. Fol <laughs>
11: me uh,
0: Next up is the famous Richard Fine Give It up for Richard. Yeah. First dance. The Di Needle
16: skipped a lot, but we were still on track. School gym was sectioned by basketball foul lines that none of us yet dared to cross. But the game was played by boys on one side, with gill nutted ties and breaking voices that hardly spoke, while on the other side were chattering girls who were already dancing, where they were allowed to pair off and hold each other. Johnny Mathis was the vinyl troubadour. And we boys were pages, mere yet to be knights. But one of us had to venture across the foul line. <laughs> Kathy, with red hair and no dimples,
1: <laughs>
17: never
16: looked at me. Barbara, with brown hair, glanced at me when I pretended not to look. <laughs> red haired Kathy was, bitten, was every future knight's holy grail, and she knew it. I stuck my tongue out at her. <laughs> After all, she never looked at me. Barbara, the lady of the brown hair, giggled and grinned at me. My first dance loomed. My first dance with someone other than my sister, cousin, or mom. <laughs> I credit Barbara, for a smile meant yes. <laughs> the grammatical rules of a dying South American language. The language is pronounced trio. The spelling is uncertain. The village is in Suriname. Truth is a grammatical necessity in trio. The syntax of this language makes every liar speak poorly. For one must name the direct source for each quote. So when a stranger entered the village and read, from the talking leaves wrapped in hides, how the great shaming Jesus commanded the tribe to follow the god of the strangers, that stranger's sentence was grammatically incomplete. For if the stranger was never eye-to-eye eye or ear-to-ear ear with that great shaming, how can he know what words the shaman actually spoke? In Treon, the outcome of each verb is also part of its conjugation. There are a half a dozen ways to qualify to hope, and a dozen ways to modify to despair. But in their vocabularies of truth, to love has no meaning. For that infinitive, to love, is like a wide palm leaf that blocks the sun and casts a penumbra that muddles clear distinctions in their tongue no one loves another. Rather, they proclaim shades of affection. One must speak this language meticulously, for in this tongue hearsay is defined as lies exposed and truths heard in the myriad nuances of elections. Once upon a time, truth and trio were linguistic twins, But enter gasoline generators, radios, and so many other fast-talking strangers. Now, when their grandparents, grandparents try to teach them the old truths, the grandchildren replied, "We're listening."
0: Thank you, Richard. Is Bill here? No. Next up is someone I would like to CC. His name is Connor Crawford. Give it up for Connor. How are
18: you doing, guys? Rolling up okay? Yeah.
17: It's
18: a poem I wrote called Heart of Flint. Put a live shiner out for you. Watched it from a deer stand. Turns out you weren't fooled by it. Turns out you're lighting those firecrackers next to the mulberry bushes and eating those mushrooms that been growing on our tree. I got this feeling like I'm gonna die in a car, driving or otherwise. Eating oranges to get that smell off my hand. None None of the glass is breaking clean tonight. Eating oranges on the porch, letting the rinds pile up between my dusty feet. Letting the flies have at them, letting the moon soak the front yard, thinking about building that fence tomorrow. Laying out in the moonlight, letting the chiggers have at me and my flesh, just feels good to have something mouth on me. I breathe heavy to let them know where I like it. the bites like hickeys from high school lovers with the doors open stepping lightly on their parents heads fucking on the trampoline under the same moon with the same bugs singing the same eyes leaking the same Chinese food the same aftertaste 1310 miles door to door just shy of 20 hours on highways All of them I've been on before ask me. I say it's spitting distance with a little hot brown in the cup holder. and this here moon on the hood, our organs know well enough well. They fought on it before in the August sun in Davidson County after my brother's wedding. Coffee rings on everything I own, has scuffs and is missing something. I'm missing something. Can't be hunted down in the city with its red mouths that open and close, the statues made of marble and buried in the parks that don't talk back when you ask them questions, and you close your eyes and open them, and you see those fairies dancing on dark islands and wheat fields. I said a soldier's prayer out there in the front yard, put my head on the rock that looks like a surgeon's table, the sweat from my cheek left a puddle the shape of your birthplace.
0: Thank you, Connor. Good voice and good (laughs) man-bun. You are welcome here. (laughs) Is Timothy here? No? (laughs) I don't know how he always knows. Next up is Judy Schneier. Get up for Judy. the mic if you want to be on the <laughs> mic.
13: Across
17: from me, spring snow covers the side of the wall. crosshatched with tracks, trees sticking up to their low branches. in before the beginning, to wait would be too late, my edge cuts into it as I start to end the turn. In my mind, uphill skiing, boot tilts, ski finds its edge, body leans, as I think of it, uphill passes parallel, comes downhill, bites into the snow. It's not automatic or intuitive. It's not natural to the body. Just like leaning forward down the hill. Later. When I look into your eyes and speak my most private thoughts, I gather sensations of too much Halfway down, I cannot stop. Words slide out this way and that, upwardly wedging, falling flat. What do you think of them, my high climber, my solitary, nocturnal, long-distance ski What do you think of my precious, broken pieces of family memory falling out of my mouth onto earth? naturally I pull back from the steep slant. Stay safe. It's an illusion, you say. Better to press forward as if you crave risk.
13: I must think my way.
17: Till new neural grooves pass reflexes again and again. Otherwise, I'll never ski the steep stuff. I'll never carve hard turns. I need to carve them. I've already pushed off into the steep. Keep my rhythm. Spring snow is soft. Your words direct my thoughts, tilt and press. Hold the edge. I
0: watched you do it. I heard each word you said. Thank you, Judy. Arthur. Uh, careful now. Next up is Jenna Martinez Lynch. Give it up for Jenna.
7: So, part of this was written in a workshop about dreams a few months ago. It's called The Gulf of Mexico a soft seashell in a hazy ocean, a round curve an air bobbing up and down at the mercy of the moon. Each tug leaves behind a dusting of salt on the surface of my skin. The edges of my body blur into the sea, and my hair twirls and knots below me like the loose arms of an octopus. My delicate existence makes me feel like maybe I cannot exist. Like maybe I've been absorbed into the womb of the ocean. The vastness against the smallness of my body scares me. Like when I was little and I couldn't touch the bottom of the ocean floor, my toes reaching deeper and deeper and finding nothing but the depths of the gulf.
0: Judy, you're losing people <sighs> rapidly. It's very really blaming Jenna for that? <laughs> Next up is Julie Hart. <laughs> 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 yeah, Julie. <sure>. i <Right> <laughs> right <to> my <laughs> But now, no matter what I say, it's
14: going to sound like really, really mild. So, that's <laughs> Boyfriend, Auntie Blues. In London, you left me, many an afternoon, to pursue some goal you would not explain, since you didn't know what it was, either. When you invited me to Bath for the weekend, but then left me to find my own way home, you probably went trolling for something. While watching queer as folk, at last, I finally get you. You're the bottom. I'm the top. I'm the Louvre Museum. In Paris, you begged me to buy you the Herald Tribune. You wanted to be pampered and taken care of. At the same time, you rankled under what you believed to be my suburban strip mall desires. So busy guarding yourself against middle-brow mediocrity, you couldn't see that I too was trying to escape it. I'm the Coliseum. Then, during an exchange on the street, you accused me of picturing us married, which I had, but only to reject the image, not only you, but marriage itself. (laughs) I told the truth and said, yes. But before I could explain further, you burst out, I knew it. And I reacted as I had in the past with my sister, who could also talk rings around me, with my leg. Knee up. I hit you in the balls. (laughs) Not hard, but how hard do you need to hit? (laughs) You, You were outraged. I hurt you. You did not believe you had ever hurt me. Ambivalence leaves a deeper wound. Not having lied is not the same as telling the truth. (laughs) I'm the Tower of Pisa. Later in New York, you laughed when I didn't pronounce Mamaronek correctly. I said Mamaronek. (laughs) I can still hear that belittling chuckle. I do not miss your arrogance, nor the weakness behind it. You're probably still trolling for those things I could never give you, even if I am a top. No dick, no interest in mastering another's will. (laughs) I'm the Mona Lisa. <laughs> Any woman who doesn't get on her knees and suck is basically a top in this dichotomous universe. I knew what I wanted, and I gradually discovered it wasn't you.
0: This old mic has gotten dirty <laughs> <laughs> over oh, the last five minutes. I have to pass out condoms next time. <laughs> okay, we have four people coming off the wait list. I ask that you read one poem because we're already at nine fifteen, and uh, don't make it the Iliad. You know what I mean. <laughs> next up is Rachel Corso. Get up for Rachel.
12: anywhere he can put his hands. Likes money he'll never have. Sells guns and drugs to Connecticut cops. Scum my best friend's mom. Stagman doesn't know limits. Sleeps with one leg on the floor to keep the room from spinning. Keeps semi-automatic and eight balls hidden in the basement. Locked shut with my birth certificate. Social Security, blessed Catholic gold pendants. Stagman lets fiends in through the back cellar door, never lets me see them. Holy Scoop's stag party ended early, 11 p.m. Saturday. Vin never came home Sunday, Monday. He dropped me off to school Tuesday. Thanks. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Rachel. Next up is our Intern Extraordinary we'll go for Caroline DeLuca. Uh,
2: uh, this is called The Real Dangers
19: of the Zombie Apocalypse. One, so we were speculating on the zombie apocalypse selecting theoretical weapons, lasers, tasers, superpowers, the petrifying powers of Medusa, stun guns and semis, the American Dream action scene. Picking sidekicks and soundtracks, anticipating pitfalls. Someone said, I'd pick Iron Man as my sidekick, wield a super scooped up machine gun, and run to the tune of The Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin <laughs> to amp me up for battle. It'd be awesome you now. I don't know. I guess I can't see the appeal in blasting open all circuits blown cannibals and demolishing the dead and kicking ass and taking names. No, I know the walking dead have names. Most of us are haunted too. I remember reading years ago on some supermarket tabloids after Keith Richards' dad died, Keith Richards snorted his ashes. Cocaine laced with (laughs) smoked out skin, fragments of bone, dust to sea dust. The headlines weren't kind, us joked about short supplies of cocaine. Star doubted his sanity with long concern and multiple question marks. When it was time to get rid of your belongings, nothing was easy. Even beat up flip flops flummoxed. They had held you once, too. We threw those out, sold your ceramic molds, even your favorite baby faced angels. The trick, you'd say, is a drop of white for light in their pupils, guiding my brush. I said goodbye, but couldn't to the t-shirts I found in your bureau, the ones you'd lend me while I splashed in the kiddie pool, you'd fill with warm water from the sink, lest I get chilled. The t-shirts for when I forgot to pack pajamas for sleepovers, when you still lived so close. And they still smell like cigarettes and dried acrylic stains, and still feel like one of your robust hugs. Though I smell like smoke and my asthma isn't pleased, I wear them often to sleep. I make your ZD recipe, listen to your Elvis CDs, try your no-nonsense generosity. If there were a way to consume some last parcel of your presence, well, I can't make promises about what I wouldn't do. Three. <laughs> I think we overestimate our wielding of reason. There are people who stay stubborn, planted on their couches despite hurricane warnings, flood alerts. None of us have a clue how to leave what we love. I think Hollywood overestimates our twitching trigger fingers I don't think most of us could keep it up after running into the remains of ones we loved. Keep shooting, keep roundtizing, old disintegrating family, Jimmy Page playing in the background to fuel the ass kicking and fierce foraging for food. I think I'm more like Keith Richards, grasping for anything. I think I would freeze if I saw you, my eyes streaming, arms out, half blind to your hunger, the stench, the emptiness of your eye sockets. I imagine I'd stare, barely able to speak, but gasping, you're back.
0: <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you, Caroline. Two more. Next up is Julia Knobloch. Give it up for Julia.
13: Yesterday my friends had died, for us to see in Portugal, the news brought back sensations of distant voices calling names of pets, of tender loving laughter hovering in the breeze of time, of sandrown terrace tiles under naked feet in the cool air, of dark paws kicking on inlaid parking floors, of squeaky stairs in the darkened house with art on the walls and a walking icon in one corner. When her son called from the land of peaches, the painter sat on a green floor chair by the window and conjured up the day when he would win an Oscar. Fondling the panting dog, she called me when she was ready to pass on the receiver. The light from the monastery filled the sky. Heat and ripple fog paralyzed the city. The painter's daughter took cold bath at night. It freshened up her creamy olive summer skin. How pretty she was, in purple dresses. Long dark curls and self made jewelry, and the warm sad smile that runs in the family. Her cat meowed and yawned. Out at the open coast near the cape, the wheatgrass is waving and the waves are breaking as always. They sweat on the beach until they hit the concrete boardwalk wall. What remains? Maybe salt crystals on sun faces, and longing, so much longing, unfulfilled. Preposition la defines a place that is undefined. The light from the monastery is still the same. Shadows left across bare walls and empty rooms. A green light fights its way through orange darkness. A train whistles like so many years ago. Stop, listen, watch, talk to me.
0: Thank you, Julia. Our last poet of the night is Matt Proctor. Give it up for Matt.
4: Doleful Imitation Storm. I was careless once. It was a little boy. I lost my life ever since. Now I'm doing this. Pained love. Stopped thought. Embark with me at all hours, let's dope in the pasture, let's ride all the trains. Look at me, I'm bringing roses again. You did that, grew them from my sternum, ruined my talent with your activities. What is the least possible dream? That is the one I want, to make nuance a mainstay, to wrinkle, to ride our permanent future. When the call finally came, the voice was familiar. Here to confirm love's wrong logic, the time strip of centuries, brawny hearts overcome. It's just a miracle what I feel about you. Shakespeare grows from your neck, your hair drawn back. I'm the best thing you've ever written. A little concerto about the baby. I wonder how we'll coincide how many traps of fate went unsprung for your foot to arrive in my hand. I'm just your reader, that's all. A song and its ending. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Matt. Thank thank you for ending with the word ending. <laughs> I couldn't
6: think of a better ending.
0: Uh, thank you for being a great audience. Uh, remember to, if you want to sign up for the open mic you didn't get to read tonight, you can sign up right now. The clock starts now. Uh, it does fill up quickly. It fills up in about a week or two. So uh, sign up as quickly as you can in order to read. Joe Pandas has Books for sale in the back. There's also swag, 20% off. Remember, workshop deadlines. This Sunday, there are three of them. Joe's workshop, Josh's workshop, and Jessica Greenbaum's. Remember vote. Here, I'm getting votes right now. Seven one eight three seven four one nine five three. Stick around downstairs. We'll get a drink. See you next time. April Penelope Pelazon will be teaching the workshop. See ya. there you have it the Brooklyn Poets Yawp from March 14th 2016 congrats to Connor Crawford whose poem Heart of Flint was voted best poem of the night for March by his fellow yawpers Connor wins free admission to a future yawp and a spot in our poem of the year Smackdown in December thanks again to Joe Pan for leading the workshop and kicking off the open mic Our next yawp comes your way on April 11th, 2016, featuring poet V. Penelope Pelazon. And that will be our third anniversary yawp in April. So be sure to come out to that one. Again, for more information, go to brooklynpoets.org. We hope to see you on April 11th. Take care.